I wanted to create a space like the spaces that I go to outside of Pole that are heavily representative of like my own culture and my queerness and put that into Pole. So I knew that I wanted to have a space that was black, queer, sex worker, black, queer, sex workers to the front kind of thing. And I wanted to make sure that like people of colour were getting platformed. This episode is with the amazing Layla Davis, founder of Black Stage. She is an incredible force to be reckoned with. Definitely kickstart your 2024 and give you motivation to smash this year. And it will also make you think about deeper topics. We delve deep quite quickly. Let us know what you think. I hope you enjoy it. What's really interesting about you, from my point of view anyways, is that you definitely talk on issues that affect minority groups. You speak out and this for me is very inspiring just to use your voice in that way. What inspires you to do that? What motivates you to do that? Um, oh, that's an interesting question. I guess I just feel like, okay, this is really annoying. I'm going to talk about it. Like I generally do talk about these things all the time. Like I've been speaking for a very long time now. Like one of my first major panels was actually with Black Lives Matter when I was part of um, Decolonize Sussex and I2M Sussex. So those are like student activism groups within my university and Decolonize Sussex was like a branch of Decolonize Education. So I was on a panel with like the Black Lives Matter founder and just the general group just discussing issues surrounding like striking and race and things like that so like I had a history of doing these things and I was also part of the new black film collective where I did also panels talking about blackness in film and like black womanhood and things like that <clears throat> so it's something that I'm quite used to but I guess I didn't really do on Instagram too much but then I started to see things I was like this is like really annoying and I started reacting to things that I was seeing in stories and then so many people would watch the stories and so many people would like them that I was like let me just save these stories and stitch them together and then put them on Instagram as an actual reel so that more people can access it and then yeah it just like got a lot of views and people like shared the same feelings as me shared the same sentiments so yeah it was more of like a reinforcement of like yeah people aren't actually all wrongins like people actually get it and it was very reassuring for me because like seeing an isolated event of like discrimination I'm just like this is ridiculous like I'm very hyper aware of the fact that this industry is like this but just kind of not knowing <laughs> how many people felt the same you're very articulate I think when I'm watching you that you're very good at explaining yourself and putting a point across um you know that's very clear and not I don't know it's it's just quite a hard thing to do yeah well oh, thank you I wanted to ask you does that ever take a toll on you because it's quite a high ask to always be speaking your mind and speaking on subjects about like sort of like discrimination that kind of thing um it's quite heavy I guess to talk about do you ever feel sort of frustrated? Do you ever feel like, oh, I can't do this again? Um, Sometimes I feel, you know what, it's interesting. The first times I did it, I was like, 
emptying my head kind of thing. And then like, I guess now I sometimes feel like when something happens, I feel like I have to say something, which is odd because I've never felt like a pressure to speak about anything before, like publicly. So now, and no, no, no one else is like asking me to do this. So it's just like this pressure that I have on myself, like to react fast to these kind of things that I'm trying not to be like too reactive because I want it to always be sincere and come from a place of like, like it's just me emptying my head and I'm just that's how I'm feeling now like I don't have to react to everything and I don't want to feel like that so sometimes I put this pressure on myself to be like okay this has happened you've got to go and I'm like no no um it's actually not necessary for me to always comment but I don't know it's just like pressure I put on myself um and another thing that's difficult is sometimes people say things in the comments and I'm just like that was a ridiculous comment so then I have to like shut it down in my comments and I find it really annoying when people comment on my content especially when I've explained the points and then they say something that just doesn't really make sense so yeah it just that is that is annoying so in terms of the toll it takes on me I would say like it makes me put pressure on myself to react and then it also kind of annoys me more people see me being vocal and want to like comment on that so those two things irritate me but it's only like once or twice that people have commented and also that generally people largely agree. Um, and also no one else is actually pressuring me to respond to anything. Like no one's like tagging me or like messaging me or sending it to me. So yeah, it's like a pressure that comes from within there. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. What can we do better as allies? I think with allyship, it always comes down to like, be like, allyship isn't something that you pick up and put down like it's something that you carry with you in life and you're always trying to be as hyper aware as us about the things that we are experiencing so when I'm like encountering like maybe like microaggressions or like something someone says something and like I would be the only maybe the only person in a group of white people that noticed it what the good ally would do is they would notice it too notice it coming on stop it from happening and also like check in on me do you know what I mean like making sure that you're in tune with the conversation and in tune with our experiences um so that you don't miss out on like things that could actually like pass um yeah generally like things like that elevating our voices also like supporting our work in any way financially supporting our work there are so many different ways to be an ally and like those are a handful um, you mentioned also not supporting um, certain people too. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Like um, my background um, in dance and things like that, like I had not like a terrible time, but I was in like a very like prestigious dance institution, very very white centered so when I started pole I wasn't concentrating on what certain people are doing like I would hear things here and there but I wasn't interested or like invested in it in any way I always knew that I wanted to do my own thing um so there's like so many things that I have seen firsthand heard or experienced myself from organizations and I just think like we can do like a boycott on like for example, L'Oreal, when they were, um, when they dismissed Monroe Bergdorf for speaking out about race, like, um, people boycotted, like, when 
people that have either large followings or are large brands do things harmful to marginalized communities, it's actually very important to divest from those um, individuals and organizations because like giving them your money, attending their events, hiring them, having them as sponsors is basically showing that you co-sign their behavior because it's like that same thing about like who you're friends with, right? You wouldn't be like, oh, this is my friend, they're racist, ha ha. Like, why would you be friends with someone that's racist? Like, therefore you are racist by default or condone racism. Like it's those kinds of things. So if you know a brand has been harmful towards sex workers, has been harmful towards queer people, has been harmful towards trans people, has been harmful towards black people, people of color, um, and then you still support them and put your money there. One, it's one thing to not know and then to realize and be like, actually, I don't want anything to do with you. But it's another thing to know and be like, oh, well, I'm still going to support it. And I understand that some organizations have the monopoly in this industry, but you could say that about a lot of things. Like people are boycotting a lot of major brands at the moment because of their support for Israel. Like it surely isn't that hard to boycott something that's not an essential brand. Like the whole brand is not an essential brand. Like it's not like your local supermarket. Like, You'll still be able to eat, sleep at the end of the day. It just stops that. It just stops emboldening them. And I just do think that people don't actually take that seriously within the pole industry. Sometimes they'll hear something and be like, oh, I heard this person's not good, blah, blah, hee hee. And then like move on like it's okay, like it's not harmful. And I think that's something that people don't understand, especially people that are non like, yeah, people that don't experience the same discrimination as us. So that people who are like maybe white, cis, and just like don't actually suffer the consequences of these people's behavior and I know that sometimes people look at things as an isolated incident it's like oh yeah they say they said this one racist thing one time um anyway moving on like it's like no like that racist thing actually has such a big weight because if you think about the history of people of color like it's not like it's just a passing comment like when I think about anti-black comments I also think about like the fact that these things are being said uh, have been used historically as a justification to enact violence on my people. Like there are so many of my ancestors and my people, people that look like me that are no longer with us because they were killed because of views like this. So actually support you supporting this pole brand because, you know, they give you nice things, but they also make these comments. For me, it directly links to, to it, it directly links to like colonization and systemic violence towards my people so it's like I can't separate those two things because I was not brought up in a world where those two things can be separated when I hear anti-blackness when I hear anti-black racism it for me directly links to the traumas that I have experienced my family have experienced and the people that are no longer with us have experienced so it it's not something I can just take lightly or like choose to support them one day and then like you know get on with my life like no that doesn't sit well with me so yeah it's of more importance than I think people realize there is so much more weight on it than people realize so when I say divesting from these things I mean like you're actively supporting people that have the views that my people should be dead and that's not funny to me so yeah it's as simple as that yeah it's as simple as that to me yeah um I feel like in this world <laughs> a lot of people maybe realize something about a company or a brand or a person and then they like you said they maybe just kind of ignore it or move on with their day and I feel like we have to as consumers be a little bit more not just aware but a little bit more careful with our choices um, because yeah our money is supporting 
those people and it's sort of like giving them a pass saying what they're saying or how they're acting is okay um it's the easiest way actually to um make change in a way is just to like not give someone your money and not um not like if we're talking about poll not buying that poll where brand whatever it is or maybe not taking classes with specific people that aren't really doing the right thing or spreading the right message yeah something in the poll industry i've noticed a bit obviously i'm not going to call people out on it but i noticed um in judging panels there might be mainly white people i read your post also on this so a lot of judging panels are mainly just white um and and i'm wondering what we can do about that so that it doesn't just turn into like this sort of false <laughs> diversity of just like having one token person there um what can we do to make competitions fairer i guess also the thing that not everyone can compete because it's so expensive um it does make pole a sort of elitist sport absolutely in that sense what can we do about that um so i'm gonna start from the beginning so you talked about what i talked about fake diversity and yeah i agree it's like obviously i agree i mentioned it um, in the first place but yeah it is a big thing like there's a lot of brands that have done a lot of harm and instead of like actively addressing that harm apologizing to people um they've just and like i don't always believe that you need to necessarily do something public do like a public apology to have changed behavior it's about sometimes you can restructure your company and like just make change that shows that you're genuine but I do feel like I can just it's like I can smell a rat from a mile away kind of thing like I know when the diversity is only as a result of the backlash that someone has um, received for a lack of diversity um, and I know when it's like you'll only reach out to certain people because they are considered like they won't harm your brand, if that makes sense. They're like not gonna ever like call you out on anything. Um, so those are the people you keep close. It's just very interesting. And I mean, what we need to see is change practices, not just like putting people of color essentially in harm's way. Um, so there's that. Um, and then you said competitions, like how can we make them fairer and things like that? I actually like introduced like quite a few things when I came on board as a consultant for UKPPC that would hopefully make competitions more diverse. So we talked about having things like um, gender neutral language, gender neutral toilets, um, subsidies. Um, I don't know that much about like what was going on with competitions before, because that was the kind of area that I would avoid in a big way. But I'm unsure if any competitions were offering subsidized applications and subsidized stools for vendors before I came on board for UK PPC. I did I've never heard of it. Yeah. I don't know. That is something that I put forward because like my actual like area of like expertise when it comes to these things comes from like the queer um black and brown community so like things like low-income tickets and like subsidies and things are like very commonplace because we recognize that our community um people of color in this country often are the ones earning the least so like statistically we earn less than our white counterparts so it makes sense that we don't have the same kind of access because we don't have things like generational wealth because a lot of us have immigrated or have been um brought here through like colonization we've had our wealth stripped from us before coming to this country so we're already starting from minus 
60 at least whereas like a lot of white people are starting from plus 20 so when it comes to like the finances of people of color we're less likely to be able to get into elite spaces because we don't have the funds in the same way so where like I've been about in my community there's always kind of like all the things that I've engaged in there was always things that would allow us access to things financially understanding that we um, as people of color don't have that kind of same wealth so when it comes to competitions and things introducing the subsidy made it like more likely that people that don't earn as much money don't have that generational wealth can actually engage in the competition as well but then that also trickles down into not just competitions but like training who can train where can you train because like a lot of people of color are like the most like densely populated area of people of color in this country is London. London is the most expensive or one of the most expensive cities to live in in the country. So it's like in the world we are a lot well. of, in the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. We are here, but things are expensive. So again, we're less likely to be able to afford that same kind of like commitment to poll classes. So we might not often be at the same level as our white counterparts. Now that's not always true, but um of everyone, but it is like generally it makes sense. So there's, or there's a lot of sacrifices we would have to make that our white counterparts wouldn't to be able to afford pole training. And then going to a competition is a whole new ball game because that's going to cost you like sometimes upwards of 500 pounds just to like, just to get on that stage. So um, yeah, so things like subsidies, making it more financially accessible are important, but also like, like we say, we should be nurturing talent that isn't white, that isn't thin and cishet as well, so that people know that it's a good place for us. Because like, as a person of color, you see certain spaces and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Uh, don't be silly. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. Like, we are like, yeah, it's kind of sometimes it's quite obvious when a space just isn't for us or it's not going to feel right. Or like you go there and the vibe just isn't right. Um, So I always say, creating a space from the um, bottom up that is inclusive and thinking about the ways that it can be makes such a huge difference because like a lot of um, poll events and competitions historically have just been white people creating spaces that they would like to be in but that's you so you have no idea what we are, where we would like to be like what policies do you have in place to make sure that we feel okay and if we experience any racism or any other types of discrimination like that we're gonna it's gonna be handled well so yeah those places end up being ill-equipped it makes us not want to come so it's about like building it from the bottom up with inclusivity in mind not just building something and then being like oh by the way we need to make it inclusive how do we do that no it's already too late Thinking so from the beginning yeah exactly just... from the beginning yeah from pen to paper from before you've even got a space like how are we going to make sure that everyone feels safe here Mm -hmm. that brings us into black stage <laughs> quite nicely um yay. yay so can you talk a little bit about black stage um your mission statement and i i obviously know that you are um what you're doing next year but i want you to talk a little bit about that of course so our mission is actually really funny because i was in a meeting earlier talking about black stage's mission um but yeah our mission is basically to platform pole dancers of color and create creative opportunities for pole dancers of color that are well paid all year round. So like there's a lot of work that I've been doing building Black Sage over the past three years. Um, it's been a lot, but it's been, to be honest, I think very successful. Um, 
yeah so to talk about it where would you like me to start like where did the idea come from where did the idea come from okay so it's interesting when I think about this obviously I like I said I don't really I didn't really engage in poll events or competitions or anything like that so I didn't ever have a template of anything that already existed in the poll industry um, and I was never looking there so my experience and like why it started where it came from was the fact that like I I'm black and I'm queer and the places that I spend my time in are with my QCBPOC community. So queer, trans, intersex, black people, people of color, black people, indigenous people, people of color. So like that is my community. That's where I spend my time going to events in the day, queer nightlife, like everything, like my friends, like everything is QCBPOC for me. That's just like where I'm at and I've always been. And the way that we navigate spaces, making them, trying to make them safe and like the way we navigate things in QCB POC nightlife is like so with so much more care and compassion for our community so my, I draw from experiences there rather than if anything that exists in the poll industry I think that's why black stage is so different because I feel like a lot of events have the same template because they're like okay this is how you run a poll event but I never thought this is how you run a poll event I thought like this is the kind of event that I go to QTB POC nightlife and like these are the kind of things I want to incorporate into my work so I wanted to create a space like the spaces that I go to outside of pole that are heavily representative of like my own culture and my queerness and put that into pole. So I knew that I wanted to have a space that was black, queer, sex worker, black, queer, sex workers to the front kind of thing. And I wanted to make sure that like people of colour were getting platformed because when I first started Black Stage, it was in lockdown 2020 and I had had the idea for so long it was like I'd had the idea in 2018 and I had reached out to someone about it and I was like oh I have this um idea like I want to do this blah blah and then they're like do it don't get in your own head and I got in my own head for like two years and I didn't start it until 2020 when I had no choice because nothing was going on so I was like okay I'm actually gonna do the thing now whereas before I was just using my stories to share people dancers of color because I just knew that like I had so many like of us dotted around in my brain because that's so where my focus is but I wanted to put us all into one place um so that we could have ac an actual tangible community that's connected and resources so I started in 2020 I always intended to have a show I was saving up I did um a GoFundMe as well like to get a bit of money like I thought okay I'll have like a few thousand pounds maybe I can run a show and then each time I thought about it I was like you know what it's just not enough because like as someone that's a working performer and I have been since 2018 I've had some amazing jobs like honestly some of the best jobs um ever like I've worked with some amazing people and I've learned so much about performer treatment so I've been performing since I was a child and I've performed in some places and with some organizations that weren't great and then had some amazing experiences too and I just thought when I run my own show I want to bring in the experiences that I've had that are amazing and just give people access to that because I know that some of the things I've had access to are extremely rare but I want to make sure that people understand and experience that treatment so I was like okay I've got to do it bigger so yeah I applied for my funding I did this whole like process and like made a lot of sacrifices so that I was able to actually produce a show that I could actually give the things I wanted to give and actually pay a good wage and then yeah we ran the first show in 2022 in January and that was a really big success um it was in partnership with Nike and 
had some sponsors and things like that and then ran the show again bigger scale 2023 in April and everything was just elevated there the money the production value the sponsorship like everything was bigger and better and we're going to do another one in obviously April 6th of April 2024 and each year I intend to go bigger and better so that like there's just always like something new and exciting and that people are just getting the things that they deserve. And it's just all about platforming people of color who are also queer, trans, um, who are also like sex workers, people on low income, just like people that are disabled, like everyone like who is a person of color, like of a different kind of expression um, has a space. And it's not all about like necessarily being like the most advanced or like having loads of money. It's about like charisma and individuality and like how you perform um, as a pole dancer. And I think that sends a really good message as well about how like you can cultivate your talent and that you don't always have to be super advanced to like, grow basically I feel like I've, I've been speaking for ages yeah, but yeah I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah I let you go because I just didn't want to interrupt um while well, you talked about so many things so um paying a good wage is one thing that I feel like some <laughs> event organizers maybe miss a little bit um and you wrote a whole post on this um so can you talk a little bit about that yeah of course like I know that um not a lot of people understand things to do with rates because being a pole dance or a pole performer um professionally is like it's being a freelancer you know and not a lot of people are freelancers like being a creative is like hard work and there's a lot of information out there that's not really like readily available to pole dancers so I know that a lot of people don't really know what good wages or how to navigate um working so yeah that's something I talk about a lot um and my main like quarrel is like other industries hiring pole dancers and like not understanding the work that goes into it and not placing the right amount of value on on it and not like managing the money well enough to pay us accordingly so that's something I deal with a lot like I do talk a lot to other event organizers and like I consult for a lot of organizations um and individuals and um yeah it's just really interesting um because people are sometimes unaware but sometimes don't manage money right and sometimes don't have the money and I think not having the money is the least offensive one like sometimes you literally just don't have the funds and that's fine but sometimes like people mismanage the money or like just like don't really care about the work that goes into it those are my problems like not having the money is like that's fine that's inoffensive but like I just know that a lot of people that work with pole dancers do have the money but just choose to mismanage it um because they don't understand our work and I can give you an example of this like um I was commissioned to do something um a little while ago and I was commissioned to hire some pole dancers for this thing and I know that someone else like another organization that also like works with pole dancers um was given the same budget but like I was able to pay my pole dancers significantly more probably I think over three and a half times more than they were um because they just had so many performers and I was thinking my people are actually just getting paid like a fair wage and then you're hiring people to do essentially the same thing on like less than a third of what I'm paying them just because you like 
don't on like it's just like the value isn't there you're not understanding that like this is like people's livelihood so much work goes into this and you just want to have loads and loads of people on your stage and like instead of doing what I'm doing and having less people but paying more money and having still like a good and filled amount of time because we both had the same amount of time and the same money but like I just don't know why like people do that and I think they just don't really value the work that we do as pole dancers and that really frustrates me so it's nice that I'm able to be a producer as a pole dancer myself because I recognize what is good money and what's not and I would not pay someone an unfair wage so yeah it's just an interesting thing and I do have a lot to say and I have like some like educational talks that I do around how to make money as a pole performer and like making sure people have like the tools to navigate working as a pole performer and like I have recently launched another one that I said I'd launch ages ago or I said that I was I wanted to launch ages ago um called how to write a performer contract and that is also yeah that's also been extremely helpful for a lot of people because a lot of people don't know how to write a performer contract they don't know what clauses to put in they don't know how that works but the contract is like it's a piece of like documentation that protects you and whoever's hiring you and it's like so important like I just wouldn't go anywhere without it as a performer so I'm yeah just glad that I'm able to share those kind of resources because I hate hearing about how people have been exploited because I'm like oh damn like I wish that you would just come to my talk or well this is before I even made the talk actually it's like damn like I just didn't know that you didn't know like I've only met you today so I don't know why I would think that you knew but like yeah it's just things need to be more yeah, I feel like with pole, there's no, uh, like, I'm a musician, so I, I'm part of like a musician's union. So if anything were to go wrong with a performance, I'd go to the musician's union. I have a lawyer mm. that's free as part of the union, you know. So we ha- I have like a lot of support on that side. But when it comes to pole, there's nothing that really exists like that. Like no union, no like, I don't know. Uh, so like the performer contract thing is really important. And also just having like the the knowledge that there are people that post about so like your instagram i think you posted like (laughs) about scaffolding (laughs) oh my gosh yeah do's and don'ts of hiring pole performer because it's ridiculous i've been hired i've had a lot of jobs and like each time I get something that something ridiculous happens, I have to add it to the contract. That's just what you do, really. So I've just got things like, no, like the equipment, like if you are providing it, it needs to be a certified pole. Like I'm not dancing on anything no. ridiculous. I've seen some things in my time. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. It's really funny that you actually have to specify. Yeah. Like... Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And also that I've, I've had people approach me before and said, uh, and say, um, like, that I need to bring the pole you know there's that whole thing that that's just it it's not really even like they never ask they just say do you have a pole that is so yeah. funny to me it's like if you hired like I'm trying well, to like a musician like it's sort this. of like saying to a band oh are you gonna can you perform for us and then having no amps or no like backline yeah maybe no stage you know it's just like yeah like would you hire a dj and then be like yeah, you need to bring the sound system, the speakers. That is what I'm going to need from now on. Oh, I'm hiring a DJ. Oh, by the way, can you bring us a sound system and speakers and lighting? 
like ridiculous. If they're if you expect someone like that to source those things, you'd likely pay them to hire the sound system and the lighting. No, like you'd pay them for that equipment. So it's interesting that sometimes people try and throw that in. And I think that's an absolute no, no, it's ridiculous. Like if you want me to come with my pole, you've got to hire the pole. Like, don't be silly. Like it's just, yeah, I find it ridiculous. And also it's, it's stage poles are so heavy. Like they're not easy to yeah. carry around. So it's not just yeah. bringing the pole. It's, it's, the transport exactly the yeah venue, yeah it's setting it up and all that. Oh, it is ridiculous crazy. that's another thing i include in like a contract or like negotiating with hirers because it's like if they're if they're hiring you with a stage pole or any pole they need to pay for your transport because it's like what do you expect me to just pay for my transport and like just give you a free pole it's just so silly you're incurring so many unnecessary expenses before you've even touched the stage like you could be paying like 50 pounds to get a cab and like they're paying you like a few hundred like that's 50 pounds is quite a big chunk out of that and like you could have made money on that pole hire as well like yeah I don't think I've worked um any job that I've not like been paid travel and pole hire for because I just wouldn't do it it's important to specify yeah. this because I think if you're starting out, you just sort of feel like, okay, mm. I'll just do it. And yeah, it's a no, no. Yeah. Um, what have been some performance highlights? Let's go in a bit more positive. What have been some, because you've done some amazing performances. Oh, absolutely. Performance highlights. My first performance highlight actually was Red Bull Music Festival in 2018. It was my first time breaking into like the professional work as a performer. It's my first ever pole performance. Like I'd never been paid to perform anywhere before. And um, it was obviously really good money, um, but it's just like, it was just such like a special time. Like my first ever gig was like such like a um, big deal. And I just, it was on my birthday as well. I remember getting the email and I was like, oh, so annoying, it was my birthday, but they did make a big fuss of me and I had like a great time backstage. Um, And that is actually where I got scouted by Nike. So it like means a lot to me as well um that performance um another one another performance highlight um a recent one was working with cupcake performing with cupcake because I'm a huge cupcake fan like literally know like all of the lyrics to every song that she performed that night and I'm like proper fan so I was like even if I wasn't performing I would definitely be there front and center because there was no way I was ever going to miss her first time in the UK um but yeah to be on stage as well it was like phenomenal like definitely my best time performing on a stage ever like just brilliant um another highlight obviously every black stage because it's just um perfect in terms of like the curation oh my gosh I feel like I'm like yes I've done really no, well here. Go for it. but you like yeah yourself. it it's is really important yeah I think it's important. it is perfect in terms of curation because often like because I perform so much the um setting is never ideal because it's never designed by a pole dancer so it's like there's always something wrong you know you either don't have enough space or like there's a light in the way of the top of the the pole so you can't do like a jade because you would (laughs) just break the light like yeah literally or like the audience is like close too close like there's always yeah there's always a problem at least but like doing black stage is like you have the whole stage just one pole you can slink around on the floor like there's a big audience and like the lighting is beautiful like it's everything I would want as a pole dancer and that's why I've made it that way so for me that is like definitely a performance highlight um what else um Snoop. Snoop amazing of course yeah 
Snoop was really, really good. Um, and yeah, because also he's like a really nice person. I thought, yeah, so, I thought he might be. Yeah, no, he's so nice. Yeah. He took my makeup palette and he wrote Love You Queen. Aww. And I have that in my drawers. Like, I'm never getting rid of that. It's such a babe. Yeah, I had the great time there. It was honestly so fun. And like Burner Boy, I loved so much. That was like the biggest crowd I've ever performed to because it was 80,000 people. And that's like Beyonce crowd because Snoop was cool. I think the biggest one Snoop did in the UK was only 21,000 and that was in Manchester. But then it when Burner Boy did his tour, he broke like a, a world record as an like African artist. Um, and he performed also on the same night as Beyonce. So to sell out the same size capacity as Beyonce on the same wow. night she's performing is actually yeah. mad. So I was like, wow, I know what it feels like to be Beyonce now. <laughs> well. Awesome. That's what I was feeling. Yeah. And we just had such a great time backstage, like the gang, like all of the dancers, we were just having like the best time. So that was definitely a performance highlight. And um, just some music videos that I've done that have been really fun and cute. Yeah. There's just like, yeah, I've got a lot That's of performance great. highlights and just general, a lot of work highlights as well. Like it's been a fun time. Do you have anything? Um for 2024 that you're able to talk about that you're working towards performance wise um we, we talked about Black yeah Stage, but... <laughs> yeah so like I'm obviously I'm going to produce a, quite a few things in 2024 like I've got a lot of things coming up for 2024 is already kind of like always fully booked um but um producing my first festival stage at Mighty Hoopla on the 2nd of June. So I've cast um Black Stage alumni from the first year because I like to like try and make things fair in terms of like when I do casting. So because it's the first year of Hoopla, I'll do year one of Black Stage. When it's the second year of Hoopla, I'll do year two of Black Stage. When it's third year, I'll do year three of Black Stage so that everyone kind of gets a chance to like yeah, be considered. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm super excited for that because that's my first time like producing a festival stage. So I get to like my own DJ and like song and vibe and like my performers. So I've chosen all my performers now. And like, yeah, it's just going to be so fun and exciting. Like, I can't wait. That's something I'm majorly looking forward to for 2024. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That sounds amazing. I saw that as well. It looks great. Um, uh, it seems like Black Stage is always growing, which is great. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and then I wanted to ask you, there was a little bit of the pole industry always has certain drama going on. Mm. Um, so I wanted to talk, I think it's really important actually to talk about, um, I mean, can I say whore phobia? I guess so. Yeah. Um, and supporting strippers and sex workers and, um, talking about the roots of pole. Cause a lot of people listening to this podcast some are pole dancers um and maybe some don't realize the importance of talking about the roots of pole dancing and yeah uh crediting people um yeah rather than the opposite whatever the opposite may be <laughs> um yeah so can you talk a little bit about that absolutely like Obviously, the pole styles that we indulge in and love so much today originate from sex workers of colour, strippers of colour. Um, and I just like I my journey personally was I started pole dancing in 2014 and I started stripping in 2015. So like I had been doing pole fit. So it was like a very different vibe. And then when I got into the club, I realised like, wow, there's a whole other like, well, in terms of like, 
doing polls specifically because obviously like doing sex work there's a lot to talk about but like doing polls specifically I was like wow there's this is just a whole nother art that is just so stunning in a way that like just like isn't really valued um so yeah that was like something that I realized there on like a personal journey in terms of like style but um yeah there is a lot of distancing from the roots of pole and distancing from sex workers and I just do think like a lot of it comes from like just the hatred of like like femme feminine like or femme sexual agency and like the idea of potentially having sex for money like people just like hate that and consider it dirty work because I think that there's just a lot of problem uh, there's like a lot of problems that people have with feminine like liberation there and like ownership of our own sexuality and sensuality because it's something that's been so historically denied so at the core of it I think that's why there is that is why homophobia exists um but yeah really hate to see it in the pole industry and I've talked about it a number of times and created some videos back in the day um but yeah I just think like we should always be honoring the roots of pole because people also like there's that and the people also don't understand that like sex work is work and it's also extremely hard work and it's not for everyone like sometimes people just think like oh I could just go in the club and do that and I've personally been there when I've seen a pole dancer try and come to the club that I've worked out and work and literally cry every single shift um yeah just cry every single shift until they quit like they had like the worst time it's not for the faint-hearted and not everyone can do it so I do think that like a lot more respect and credit needs to be given to sex workers yeah 100 percent. um I wonder do you feel like it's fear of of the female body and female sensuality do you feel like that's where it comes from because it's empowering I guess for women to use their body yeah and take it as yeah I think fun yeah I think fundamentally we're all kind of like um what's the word I'm looking for so I'm looking for and kind of indoctrinated into believing that like women like because we're historically like women were historically property and like there's this hatred of femininity because it's seen as weak so femininity equated to weakness um has this kind of like feeling for like people that are like really indulgent in masculinity a feeling of like dominance and ownership so the idea of us breaking free from that and like no longer being a possession and having our own sexual agency and not being something that can be dominated or like or something that can be taken from us and something that we can actually draw power from is like something that like instills fear in like a lot of society because they like don't understand the way that their minds have been like tainted and poisoned by the idea of femininity being weak and unimportant Mm. and having just like no power and like not being interesting Mm. um and I think there's just so much power that comes from our own sexuality and sensuality that has been so historically denied and repressed and now it's like we're seeing more and more it's liberated and free and like a lot of like people are angry at that Mm. it's like intimidating or something yeah it's like the thing that's like meant to be less powerful, meant that's meant to be subjugated is kind of like they're they're fearing that it might overthrow like masculinity and dominance mm. and like be on equal footing or take over. Yeah, I guess women have always been pushed down, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of um, 
people do fear that like what if we did what they did to us to them they're like what if they get us back for like these centuries of oppression and I don't think that's what like femininity is after I think we've always just wanted equality and just our own sexual agency and freedom and that's literally it and like I think that's why it's so important that we can draw power from that because it's like our sexuality has been so badly historically oppressed it's like something that's just never been ours and that's why like drawing power from that taking that back monetizing it and actually like using it for your own confidence and your own gain is so empowering yeah I feel like a lot of people are scared of their own sexuality too um that can absolutely yeah I wanted to talk to you about how you protect your mental health um because I saw that you talked about therapy um and there's obviously still a little bit of stigma around therapy, around mental health. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. I've like actually been having therapy since I was like 17, 17. I'm now 28. So like 11 years now. I've had some breaks in between, but um, yeah, pretty much been in therapy for like 11 years. Um, yeah, I'm like, yeah, so I've, I, bit of a workaholic so like that's something I struggle with like I struggle to put the work down um and I know it's just like very important that I do because product productivity also comes from rest and thrives in rest too um and sometimes I just need someone to like tell me off and tell me that and like that's a lot of what my therapists actually do for me and I know it's like someone else could tell me that or I could tell myself that and I do but like I don't listen so for me it's very necessary um and just like protecting yourself in general because like when you're someone that's like quite visible online so like I don't I don't have like the most followers and I'm not like posting the most but like I do feel like the world has access to me in a way that they wouldn't if I didn't have social media so it's also very important to me that I like have real conversations and actually like talk about how like it feels to be visible especially as a black queer woman someone that's like one of the least protected members of society so it's like being visible without protection is also like dangerous so for me there's a lot of like things that I need to do to ensure that like I feel safe and like one of them is therapy and also like obviously talking to my friends and like indulging in like things with my community do you set quite strong boundaries around things so like work hours oh my gosh yeah and, um, and so well I'm terrible at setting boundaries around work hours I'm not even gonna like <laughs> lie I'm so bad like my wife has to like get me in check all the time because I would just work all day and all night if I could because I just feel like the tasks are just never done but that's life isn't it like you never finish everything in a day and I'm just like really bad at that because I prior to Black Stage um never worked a nine to five I was always like a contractual worker I worked in hospitality for like a decade so I am a very like nine to five means nothing to me like my first job was not a nine to five and neither is my job now like I teach in the evenings as well so it's just like I'm it's it's a struggle for my body because I'm like a decade like I'm not like I don't understand um yeah so um in terms of other boundaries um so yeah I'm terrible at setting those kind of boundaries but my wife actually comes and she's like this is ridiculous like you need to stop working so like that is <laughs> something good. she has boundaries that trickle down to me <laughs> she good. enforces boundaries for me um but then I have boundaries like 
um do not dm me for work um emails only because a lot of people are really unprofessional and like to dm you for work and i think like this is not like i don't know like it's just so unprofessional like why are you sliding in my dms to like hire me for something it's just like we're not friends like that like my friends dm me or people i follow or like interact with like for jokes and fun and lightheartedness dm me like you can't just dm me like oh are you free to be here like no just email me like that's what like professionals do like i've never had an actual serious job okay no i have had a serious job through dms actually but like yeah just most of the serious jobs like the actual good money and like actual competent people would hire me through email and also i have like an automatic message like that i send out when people dm me for work basically letting them know that their dm is going to be deleted because they've violated my boundaries so yeah it's like you could dm me for the best work but i'm probably not going to respond because you haven't gone about it in the right way and that's just like it's a tell for me because it's so high up in my bio that it just means that you didn't read it before you messaged me yeah so like to message someone on their on your profile you obviously have to like click you know go to their profile click the send message right and like you'd have seen the bio by then but obviously because you're so disinterested in what I have to say you haven't done that which gives me zero faith in the fact that you actually respect me so I'm happy to delete that yeah most of the time (laughs) I do it like every day like honestly like I sometimes just move them all over to like the request and just do like a massive delete so I don't even look really yeah yeah it's it's important to go about things in the right way I guess um especially if you are getting a lot of the set you know bombarded yeah. with, with messages all the time it's not good um do you have um boundaries around your phone and social media um not really to be honest I probably should like I have like numerous social media accounts actually like I'm let me just check how many well I have like obviously I have like TikTok and Twitter and like Instagram but I also like manage quite a few Instagram accounts so one two three four five six I have six on Um, here I used to have seven so I used to do a little work for my friends club night but like yeah that's like my things I'm doing now and they're all kind of different vibes so I do find it hard to peel myself away sometimes because I have like for example I've got like an interiors one and we do get a lot of like um emails and things about like brand collaborations there so it's just like another thing like gotta post this thing like yeah it just like keeps me glued to it sometimes and I think I should have better boundaries um but I actually like just don't but I don't think it's too bad because I'm not like because I'm actually so busy doing other physical things I can't be on my phone all the time like I do a lot of teaching privates and I'm like on jobs and like I actually don't have time to be on it all the time so I think if I had more free time then I'd, it, it could potentially be a problem because I don't have as much free time. Maybe that's why it's not. away from it. Yeah. That's good. That's good. It's healthy, I guess, right? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about um, that I haven't mentioned? Is there anything um, else you'd like to say, express? Uh, no, just that people should come to the show, you know? Yes. Yes. You can buy tickets. I saw that. Yeah. Um, your early bird is gone already, right? I saw that. Saw yeah. That yes early bird there's still tickets yeah still tickets um we haven't like done our proper like obviously we've not revealed any performance yet so this like we've sold half the tickets but that is based on like people just knowing that like it's going to be good and I think that's amazing but um also we haven't announced any performers and I do feel like the lineup's going to be amazing so I cannot wait for people to like 
yeah i saw that people um applied which i thought was a really cool way of doing it just to for people to apply and then you had uh judges is that right sort of is that the right way of saying it yeah yeah people reviewing the application so it was like open to everyone which is great yeah definitely so like that's how it's always been so since 2022 when we did the first one it's been a matter of like applications and then judging the applications but like there were fewer steps in between because there were less people applying back then but now I'm like 207 is a lot of people like 207 people applied and I'm like um okay so we we now need more steps because like that is a lot and like I don't want to like I was thinking I was kind of doing a toss-up like should I cap it at 200 because I don't want it to be too much work slash too unattainable but then I'm like oh I don't want to deny a lot of people like the opportunity to apply because if it's like oh you know you, we get this many in and then you're done like it might not give people enough time so I'm just thinking we put in more steps and more people to review the applications that way yes it's like black stage spending a bit more money but it means that like um there's more of a chance for other people and like yeah so yeah that's how it's done um yeah they're getting reviewed in like they get reviewed in like three different stages now but it might need to be like four next time or something yeah yeah <laughs> it's awesome I love everything that you're doing I think I don't know uh, whether it's right to say that you're inspiring is that oh thank you no no that's really nice to hear (laughs) yeah I feel like you're you're speaking out for people that need you to speak out for them maybe and just speaking up on um issues that are still there in the pole industry um and I guess the pole industry is like a microcosm of the whole world right so Mm. it's um you know it's gonna have a domino domino effect everywhere hopefully um yeah and yeah just as um an ally to you and as a as a person who I guess doesn't really identify as like straight bisexual or queer just someone who believes in just love (laughs) I feel like it's just really important to have people speaking up I'm going to try and speak up a little bit more and do it in a way that's articulate like you and not in an angry uh, (laughs) annoyed way but it's also cool to do that though you don't always have to approach it with like softness because like that's just kind of I guess my approach I didn't even realize that was my approach but like it's okay to be angry because anger is a valid emotion when something makes you angry and I feel like sometimes people should know that that's actually pissed you off yeah that's true that's true maybe it's just I feel like sometimes anger can just get in the way of the message though yeah and yeah and I feel like uh maybe composing like a nice uh I don't know argument and and putting it in a more dignified way um comes, comes across better sometimes and like I just like having like a not going low when those kind of yeah like not being in the same circle as those kind of people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Who are spreading hate, just like trying to rise above them and just, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the pole industry still has a lot of work to do. Um, so maybe yeah. let's end on what do you hope for the pole industry? How can the pole industry become better? I know that's a really open question, but maybe we should end on that one. Oh, I think like, how does policy become better? How does anyone become better though? It's always like an individual journey. So like for the pole industry to become better, we need to recognize that the pole industry consists of individuals, some with a lot of power, some without. And it's about like 
kind of being more in tune to what people that don't look like you are experiencing. So more, what are the most marginalized of us experiencing and how can we make sure we're supporting their work, their journey, um, reducing their struggles, things like that. Because when you start thinking like that and thinking from a place of like genuine, like compassion for these communities, you will definitely be less able to be, you know, spewing hate and like creating like, like difficult situations for the people when you actually care so it's about caring but like you know some people might actually not um, possess the capacity to care and maybe that's where a lot of the problem lies but like yeah I think doing that internal work and thinking like beyond me like the people that are really struggling people that are really suffering what do they need and how can I support them because thinking like that just it changes the way you see the world and the way you interact with things and like your practices and generally makes things better Mm -hmm. working on yourself basically yeah yeah awesome and you know spreading that to people around you as well yes yeah yeah yeah. but I do feel like it starts with looking at your own stuff I yeah believe in in therapy as well I've I've done a lot of therapy um a lot of life coaching and I think maybe everyone could benefit from doing a little bit of work, you know, on Absolutely. themselves and on their weaknesses and just trying to be better. And also just like listening to other people. I feel like that's what this podcast is about, is giving voice to other people. Um, and for me to just also just listen and, yeah. and not just be like talking over. There's a lot of on the internet, there's a lot of talking over people a lot of maybe not really listening to other people's point of view. And I feel like so we true. need to have sort of like longer form conversations and just, yeah, listen to other people a bit more. Um, but that's really cool. I want to thank you for all your time. Um, and I'm really excited for what's going to happen next year for you. I think it's going to be an awesome year, 2024. Thank you. So you should definitely go and grab your tickets to Black Stage. I'm going to link up the ticket link in the show notes and also link up a lot of different things that we talk about here as well as uh, Layla's Instagram page and also Black Stage's Instagram page. Do rate the show, like the show, leave a comment, share the episode in your stories. All of those things really help us to reach a wider audience and as instagram likes to hide things from us pole dancers um i think it's a really important thing that you can help us with if you enjoy the episode thanks so much for listening